It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Eno, we got a show on Monday, a wrap-up show. Obviously, the playoffs will start right after. We've been looking at it. You know, I'd like to find out, and we don't know exactly who the teams are going to be. We're starting to see, as the Brewers have now clinched, slowly but surely teams are clinching. But there's got to be one thing, right, that we can look at all 12 teams, that all 12 teams, they do X, Y, Z, that they all do one thing right, or they all do this one thing. Can we find that one thing? Is it possible? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, one thing that they all do is hit the ball well. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it's it's a dumb thing. People seem to think that just pitching and defense are all that matters in the in the postseason. Uh, Milwaukee is the only team that's below average with bats uh, that's going to make the postseason. And they made a lot of acquisitions at the at the trade deadline and have actually been a league average uh, team in the last month since the deadline. Um, and if you look at just the best, the best hitting teams in baseball, it's Atlanta. Who's one of the best hitting teams of all time, Tampa Dodgers, Rangers, Astros. I mean, those are, those are, uh, some of your better teams in ball. So if you just look at the top 10 by bats, there's only one non-playoff team in that group. But as long as there's one, that means it's not all. And it's like the it's, it's, <laughs> well, it's the Padres, of course. Well, it's well the Guardians last year. So uh-huh. as long as there's one, I'm saying there has to be one thing, right? That all twelve do. So when we have our we have the bracket set up, all twelve, will we be able to find? We tried to look at defense. You can't because Philly stinks, right? There's like mm-hmm. certain things that I, I maybe there just isn't one. Maybe I'm searching for something I can't find. Well, if the Reds don't make the postseason, uh, one thing that every team – oh, the Diamondbacks, you're killing me. See, there's always one team that's the fly in the ointment. I wanted to say that every team scored more runs than their opponents this year, but the Diamondbacks have scored seven runs less than their opponents, so there's still a chance. Yes. You know, they got to go on a tear. <laughs> it's got to be 12 for 12. It's got to be 12. There can't be an outlier. It has to be 12 to 12, 12 for 12. So we'll see if we can find something on Monday. But it is hard, right, because there's always, like, if you look at bullpens, most of these teams have good bullpens, and then here comes the Texas Rangers with a horrific bullpen. <laughs> and you even remember in the postseason – the Nationals had a terrible bullpen the year they won it all, 
And they just said, that's fine. Our starting pitchers are going to pitch like 80% of our innings. That is correct. And then speaking of starting pitching, starters records, most of the good teams have good starters records. I know starters records, they don't matter anymore to anybody. That's one thing to look at a lot, of, but you're going to find an outlier in there. It's always going to be an outlier. We got to find something that's 12 for 12. There's two interesting games tonight. There's Astros and there's Mariners. And then we got to get to the what the hell happened game. That is the Padres and the Giants. But let's start in the Pacific Northwest. Whoever wins tonight, this really puts you in the driver's seat. And it's hard to believe that one of these teams, Astros or Mariners, is going to go home. They're going to come so close. It's like you sat there in that two-hour-long Disneyland ride, and you waited for Space Mountain, waited Space Mountain, you finally got into Space Mountain, and you finally get right there. Up, oh, ride's closed. It's like the worst feeling in the world. You know what that's yeah, going to – can you imagine what that's going to feel like? If you're the Astros or you're the Mariners and you've been going at this in spring training um, at the very end, boop, you're going home. Yeah, and for the Mariners especially, I think they're one of the last, or maybe the last team that's never made it to the uh, made it to the World Series. They have not made it to the World Series, and and so uh, you know, there's uh, there's not that many franchises that have had as much pain in the past uh, for them to finally put together the August that they did and have Julio playing the way he has, and that's that staff looking the way it does, and to come up short would be uh, tragic. Uh, it also is interesting because I think that they're both better teams than whoever will be the third wild card in the NL. Uh, we're talking about the Marlins at 81 and 75, the D-backs who have scored fewer runs than their opponents, um, or the Reds at 81 and 77. I think those are all flawed teams. The Marlins have a poor offense. Um, you know, the Reds have their issues. Worst defensive team in baseball or, or one of them. And uh, and the D-backs have this weird, you know, scoring and a bad bullpen. So I would take the Astros and, Mar and Mariners over either of those, any of those teams. Um, and so it'll be, it will be kind of sad when one of them doesn't make it. Yeah, Arizona run differential minus four right now. Miami's playing a double dip against the Mets right now. They're minus fifty-one. They're just a half game out, then a game and a half out. Cincinnati, they're minus forty-four. So some uh, bad. Run differentials there. D-backs could get that to zero for us, and then we could say, you know, 12 for 12. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm in. We need the 12 for 12. The Padres <laughs> and the Giants. When The we... Padres will still be a team that scored more runs than their opponents uh, and didn't make it, and they're the team that has a good rotation and didn't make it. They're the team that has a good lineup and didn't make it. And uh, it's, an un it's, a, it's an unfortunate answer because nobody likes it, uh, but – it is, I just think, luck because last year they were 22 and five in one run games. And this year they're like five and 22. It's exactly, they were the best team in baseball in one run games last year. And they're the worst team in like 30 years this year. And I just think it's, it's just poor luck for Bob Melvin because Bob Melvin is the guy that used to be the king of one run games. So uh, I, I don't, I don't think it's a, a good answer. Over in, in, in San Francisco, I think when you look at the talent, it's nowhere close to the same talent as San Diego. It's not a, a question of they squandered all this talent. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a mediocre team that had a mediocre season. All right, let's start back with the Padres first. 
Mm-hmm. When you are this bad in one-run games and you're this bad in extra innings games and you do it for an extended period of time, how do you keep throwing luck into it? That's something that happens on a weekend, maybe a month. But when you do it for half a year, I, it can I, happen. It can happen over a full year? season. Luck it for can happen half over a full year. season. You're lucky or unlucky for half a year. They were 22 and five last year. It's a different team. You know, I not that different. Human beings, the, are di- the, but, but the, you know, human beings are different. You're different last year than you are this year. Everybody changes. Everything changes in life. Life constantly moves. People don't okay. stay the same. All right. So here. how about this? Is it is chaos a better word for it than luck? I mean, totally. It's just, it, chaos. It's a lot yeah. of the same personnel. Pers- it's a lot of the same person personnel. It's they're just you and know, remember not doing the same. They didn't have like a world be- beater year before. Well, they went 88, 89 games. It wasn't like they were like a 100-win team. They they got hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the other thing, the one thing that I will say is interesting is that they have this terrible record in one run, in, in extra inning games. And we've had this new change in the rules. And we've seen that, in fact, home teams in extra innings uh, don't have a home field advantage. And I think that that's because teams are not doing the right thing with their closer when they're at home. Um, I think that what we're seeing is teams not using their closer, um, like saving their closer for the, for the, for, for when they're ahead or whatever it is. I, I can't, I wish I could just tell you what it is, but a suboptimal use of closers. And I've seen this with the, the Padres. Uh, so there is something with the new rules where you have to think about how how to best use your relievers with the new rules. Going 0-11 in postseason games, it's in, in, in extra inning games, is more concerning to me than the one-run thing. How about the hater thing from two nights ago? That's sort of what I'm talking about. It's like, you know, there have been times when they should have used hater and they didn't. And is Hader involved in that? Yeah, that's the uh, thing. Maybe they wanted to like use Hader. <laughs> yeah, and Hader's right. like, no, nope, so, Milwaukee screwed this up. I went above and beyond all those years. And then they always tried to underpay me. And, I mean, that's something that we forget about how, like, a player will just go balls to the wall for a franchise. And then all of a sudden they try and stiff them in the offseason. So, I, I, I mean – I kind of understand it. I hate it, but I kind of understand where haters like, man, I could give you everything. And then the offseason, you're going to try and, especially in arbitration, try and tell me everything I did wrong. Yeah, and I don't want to – I definitely don't want to get hurt before I finally get to choose my team yeah. uh, for the first time in my career. The, I don't blame him too much for what he's saying, but I do think that there it, 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 says, it says something to that dysfunction and dysfunction of communication because – um, you know, I think this is the sort of thing that can happen if you're like, uh, well, Bob's telling me one thing, but AJ just texted me another thing. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, then you can sort of be like, I, I'm not going to listen to Bob. You know, Bob's telling me I need to be out there, but, uh, AJ understands. <laughs> you know? Does it speak for why the Brewers would have gotten rid of him last year when they were trying to, they had a playoff no, run they, going? I think they're just, they're like the Rays. They're just trying to keep everyone cheap and they're just trying to keep moving, trying to, they turned that into Estory Reese, who they turned into their starting catcher. I mean, it's just like, just keep the ball rolling. I don't think that they necessarily were like, we need to get rid of him. But um, I do, did you see video of Bob Melvin after the game? Oh, like the last couple of nights? You could tell he's done. Knowing Bob the way I do, he's done. 
And well, I, I know how Bob felt I've, when he was here. I don't here. think I've ever seen him talk like that. I said he said things like, "Well, just guess that's how we're doing it," you know. Yeah. I'm like, "What? This is Bob Melvin, man. Bob is he done. is he is he's had some bad seasons in in Oakland, and he never you know acted like that or never talked like that. So I, there's some serious dysfunction there, and there, even the CEO of the team uh, has talked about a, a a full internal review from top to bottom. So. Uh, I I kind of expect changes there in a large way in San Diego. Yeah, payroll's going to come down. It's kind of a case study, right? Like, why did it go bad? Is there anything people can learn from this? Because obviously, if you just take out the individual numbers, because the individual numbers will show you they should have a much better record, but something has gone really, really wrong. And it's all over the place, right? It's like something that has spread. It's between Preller below Preller to Bob Melvin to the player. There's a lot of bad juju going on there. Yeah. Too many cooks, uh, too many leaders, too many high price free agents, just because it's hard to get, there's this thing called the monkey sphere where like, you know, the monkeys, if, if you bring a new monkey and it doesn't matter how old the monkey is, it only matters how new the monkey is to the group. Um, and so you can bring an old monkey into the group, but they don't respect that old monkey because he's new to the group. That's that's a thing that happens with monkeys. And You're I think going it's going United Kingdom on us right now. This is like being at the <laughs> yeah. San Diego Zoo. I mean, I like this Discovery so, Channel. So I, 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 I we talked about this a little last week. But, you know, if I was running a team, I I, I, I wouldn't want to be like cheap. But I would want to add the right free agents around a core. I would want to identify that group of young position players like the Orioles have or like the Royals had once. I would want to identify my Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt and then add around them um, as opposed to just sort of trading away all my prospects and taking this best player from here, this best player from here, this best player from here and expecting them all to sort of cohesively get along uh, when they haven't ever played together before and they've all been leaders where they were before. So that's sort of what I think describes uh, some of the sort of soft science of what went wrong in San Diego beyond the organizational stuff we've talked about. So you bring in the older monkey and they don't respect the monkey. That's just not right. Yeah. That's so if you think about it, like Tatis is like, well, I've been here the longest, you know, you know, and Manny's like, well, I've been here about as long and I'm older. You know, you should respect me. And Xander Bogarts is like, well, I got a ring. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and Soto's like, they call me Ted Williams and I got a ring, too. You know, and like everyone's like, I, I, I should be the leader. I should be the leader. Yeah. Well, and I also want Tatis's numbers aren't the same. He hasn't been the same player. I know he's done well in right field. But I think if you look at if I went to it and I looked at what he was in his best at a shortstop. I don't like him defensively at short, but what like you look at his slug, his OPS, it's all kind of down. His batted ball, but it, but I think some of his underlying batted ball numbers uh, suggest that I could see him having that year where Acuna was down after his big surgery and then took a big leap forward at, with a normal year off because 
what I'd heard from injury experts on Tatis is that the wrist injury uh, was a bigger deal than people were talking about. Like they talked a lot about the shoulder subluxation, which we talked about has a, has a parallel to Cody Bellinger's up and downs over his career, same injury, but he had a bad shoulder injury and a bad wrist injury at the same time. So I'm willing to uh, say that like, you know, his future may still be brighter in the future. Yeah. It's a bad combo shoulder wrist for a hitter. Not good. Uh, On the flip side, going to the Giants, and I said this earlier, obviously when you're an A-centric show and you're ripping the Giants. And you're a troll. And you're a troll. But (laughs) we do do have to cover all the teams, right? And this is just being Uh, factual. Giants have lost 18 of 24 in September. This is essentially a below five, two games under 500 for two seasons since they won 107 games. You got Logan Webb coming out and talking about chemistry. Kapler agreed with what he had to say. It's just, what's going on? Yeah, with I, was in, I was in that scrum. <laughs> so what, what, what vibe are you getting from them? Uh, panic and uh, paranoia. Uh, you know, that's not necessarily Logan. I think Logan's just reacting to, you know, the, the, the Giants clubhouse has always been one of comfort and you go in there, they got nice seats, uh, recliners, they got big double wide, uh, you know, uh, lockers with, 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 you can, they, they can plug in their iPads in them. Um, like I mentioned before, Tyler Rogers has like a wine cellar, you know, you know, storage in one of his, in an extra locker. So like they, it's been one of comfort. I've seen basketball pop top shot, like things in there. I've seen, uh, bumper pool. Uh, there's a lot of card games, but that's, that's been the giants, you know, back to Barry. Barry used to have two lockers, seven lockers. yeah, one had like a TV in it, you know, so it's like, you know, like it's always been a, a, a team that's been friendly to to veterans and a team that has tried to to make them comfortable. I tried to get uh, Kapler to d- talk on the the is there is there a relationship between comfort and accountability? Because if you think about it, there's been, you know, Andrew Bagley wrote like, hey, someone started playing Bob Marley after losses. Um, and you know, that's a little weird. And then you think about like, let's say we have the the top shot and we have the bumper pool out and we have the card tables out and they've lost and everyone just goes and sits down and plays pool or takes some, some hoop shots. And no one feels that bad about the loss because they feel comfortable. Is there a relationship between comfort and accountability? Kapler was having none of that. Really? And he said, yeah, yeah. He he pushed back on my question saying, you know, talking about the music in the clubhouse at the end of the game is a smokescreen. It's it's not talking about the actual issues. All the all that we need to talk about is how we prepare for games, our process for preparation, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just uh, I, I'm not sure that he answered my question. I, I, I kind of feel like he used the word smokescreen as a smokescreen to not answer my question because I, I do wonder if you you have all these like mid-level I'll call them I'm not being rude now mid-level veterans uh, that you bring in and then there's just you don't have that that young group that comes together and like they're starting to have that maybe there is some conflict between the younger ones being like man I we're the Giants we're supposed to win and the medium ones are being like, well, I got two years and 36 million. It might be one of the last contracts I get. And, you know, I just need to hit 19 homers this year and have a 350 OBP. And like, you know, I'll be all good. You know, like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, you know. 
So there is, I think there is some conflict between, you know, what, what you're supposed to act like after a loss and, and, and how much of a red ass you're supposed to be. And the old giants had two very famous red asses in Buster Posey and Madison Bumgarner that wouldn't sort of allow for that and just broadcast how much they wanted to win every day and how it was not cool to lose. And that was just, that was like seeping through. Even when you're sitting in a recliner playing cards, you know, that Buster Posey's over there seething, you know? So I think Logan was trying to be like, yo, I'm like that. You know, I don't want to lose. You didn't, I'm the Buster Posey in this room. Know that I'm angry, you know? So I think there's some sort of trying to broadcast to each other, like how, how to be as a, as a team, I guess. Yeah. It, it's tough when you start talking about culture and start talking about chemistry, because then you're, you're really challenging. It's one thing when you can look at X's and O's, there's one thing when you can look at data and you can look at numbers and you can look at all this kind of stuff and health and all, but when you start questioning somebody's leadership, it starts it's, to get personal. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and it felt a little bit that way in the, in the questioning, he was, you know, he's like, yes, I want to take personal accountability, but I want to take it on this level of process and data and like how we get ready for games. That's, that's what we need to look at. But I think that honestly, like leadership is the tougher one because you can't, it, it's almost the, I, I, one of the reasons I like numbers is it's easier. You look at the numbers and it's like, okay, we go, we do what the numbers say we should do. Right. And it's, yeah. that's easier. What's harder is trying to figure out, whoa, our players are yelling at each other. Is that just because we're losing or am I not Am I not in the clubhouse enough? These are harder questions. Should I be hanging out with them? Should I do a dinner? Should I be nicer? Should I be meaner? You know, those are yeah, harder. It's the life toggles. stuff, right? It's the life. Like we try and tell people all the time, like a player could be real good, really struggling. You don't know what he's got going at home. You don't know right. what's happening with the wife, with kids, with girlfriends, with parents. I mean, you don't, I mean, stuff, life happens and how you and manage it. And when you're saying, because that was one thing we always talked about, Bob, was like the leadership of Bob Melvin with the men in the room and how much they respected him and trusted him. Like if you have players openly saying this time of the year, hey, our culture sucks. This needs to change. That's in it. Front offices, that's not, it's an indictment on the manager. He's the guy who sets that, that he sets the culture. I know it has to be on some level. And then we had this really weird interaction. I was at the game last night yes. where, you know, we had this really weird interaction with John Brevia and you see this smile on, on Gabe Kapler's face, but it's almost the Cheshire cat smile where he's like smiling and trying to make it seem like a joke. But you know, in the past, a pitcher has begged to stay in the game or been mad about being taken out of the game and got cut by the organization the next day. A pitcher that is now in the starting rotation for the Tampa Bay Rays, Zach Littell, was cut the day after he was mad about being taken out of a game. So now John Brebbia is making a joke, maybe. He's very, uh, he's kind of a, a strange cat where it's like, it's kind of hard to tell if he's making a joke by pulling Kapler's arm down so that he can't put that left hand up for the reliever. You know, and so now you have these two grown men touching and they're supposedly laughing and supposedly smiling. But that smile to me, it was a little bit like, you know, I'm laughing. Everyone, this is funny. Right. And I'm going to hit him real hard on the ass to show everybody that we just had a joke, you know, and he hit him so hard on the ass that that the reliever dropped his glove. 
So like, it was just, I thought just the weirdest thing that just showed me that like, maybe there's some lack of feel there in terms of just, you know, what, how he feels, how his, how Kapler feels his place is with the, with the men. You know, is it one where I am unquestionably in charge and you shall not stand up to me? Or is it one where we can make a joke about pulling, you know, pulling my arm down so I can't take the lefty? I mean, we could do a long show on the off seasons for the Giants and the Padres. It's going to be real, real interesting what they're going to do to try and get back. Because they're two teams that have the resources, they have the wherewithal. But both sitting like if we would have talked to you at the winter meeting and said, hey, you know, by the end of September, they're both going to be 78 and 80. You would have said no way. That would have been weird. Yeah. I would have said maybe for the, the Giants, uh, but it would have been weird for the Padres to be there. And then you would have called me a troll. <laughs> no, not for the Giants. Like, And, and I would have said, you're thing. right. <laughs> but one thing that could help other than, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't actually don't. The managerial thing is just super hard for me to figure out and just super hard for me to figure out what makes a great manager. You know, there are so many different kinds. There are yellers. There are really calm guys. they are all big leader types, more friendly types. There's all different kinds that have worked in different scenarios. But I think that like, and, and this is silly because maybe Shohei is not even thinking about the Giants, but if you put Shohei Otani on the Giants, you, I know he's a position player and a pitcher, but you have finally that star position player that you're paying a lot of money to, and there's one. And he is a red ass like those guys. All he wants to do is win. That's why he was still out there hitting when his elbow was hurt, because all he wants to do is get out there and play. And I think that that could really be helpful to have a position player that's the unquestionable leader in the clubhouse that you then have as an ally to Kapler. You know what I mean? Uh, because it, the, it is a two-way street. As much as the manager wants to yell and do anything, there has to be a position player leader that's basically on his side. There's, I think it's like a, a two-person thing. Great stuff as always. Hey, we're thinking about you and your family. We just wanted to let you know that. Obviously not easy. We just want to know we're thinking about you. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. The great Eno Saris, our baseball columnist from The Athletic. That's going to do it. We got oh, play The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of 
the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.